My name is Tony, and I was in a cult for over a decade. And my name is Lindsay, and my sister was in a cult for over a decade. And now I'm out. Lindsay and my family helped get me out, and we have created a podcast. Playing in Traffic. We interview survivors of the Wimscog. We cover topics of healing and topics of all things about cults. So tune in, like, subscribe, whatever all that means, and enjoy the process of deconstruction. Welcome to Playing in Traffic. This is our disclaimer song. This is our disclaimer song. It's our opinion. Don't sue us. Don't sue us. If you didn't want us to make a podcast about you, then you probably shouldn't have started a religion where you brainwashed people and separated them from your family, so it's kind of your fault. But don't sue us. Don't sue us. You know who you are, so don't do it. Don't sue us. Hi guys. Welcome. I missed you. I feel like it's been a long time since we recorded. It has been a long time. I missed you. Welcome back, everybody. We've been kind of what have we been doing? Getting back in the swing of school schedules and Yeah. Organizing. I'm very excited for today's episode. Me too. (laughs) Okay. You guys, we're not lawyers, just to let you know, in case you didn't know. Yeah. Today, we are going to share with you the audio from a hearing on August 27th, 2014. How many years ago is that? That's a long time. I know. Okay, so 2014, um, you know, this is the same case that we have been following where the WIMSCOG, the World Mission Society Church of God, sued Michelle Cologne for defamation. And I can't remember exactly, was it for $5 million? Something like that. So, so anyway, they filed a suit against her in July of 2012, okay, for um, things that were posted on the internet, which we've talked about in previous episodes. So you guys go, go catch up, go catch up. But anyway, okay, okay, this is what is mind-boggling. In 2012, we were preparing for the end of the world, Little did we know behind our back, they were using our money to sue her. You know, we, I had no idea that was even going on for years, for years. So, okay. So the original lawsuit was in 2012 and this hearing that we're going to hear today is from, um, August 27th, 2014. And we wanted to share this specific audio with you because the judge has had a while to sit with the case, right? So, like, this is Judge uh, Rochelle Hartz. I hope I'm saying her name right. And she's amazing. And, you know, you can just tell this judge is giving so much patience. She's allowing them a, a lot of a lot of chances, you know, the, the Wimscog to prove their case. And uh, by this point in the case, you can tell that she's becoming 
concerned and becoming, um, I'll just say a little bit frustrated with them. And so we wanted to allow you guys to hear, you know, to hear what is really going on in the, in the courtroom. Yeah, it's a good one. Right. So, so this one, this um, specific hearing that we're going to talk about is, uh, was because the Wimscock was refusing to produce financial documents that were sufficient to prove that they actually lost money because of Michelle, exactly because of Michelle. And so um, this whole hearing is sort of about that. We've played some of like little clips of the other audio throughout the episodes with Michelle. Um, and this one is so good that we want to play the whole thing in entirety. So we're going to pop in every once in a while and um, fill you guys in on stuff that maybe we know what's going on because we've heard the previous audios in full um, or just like reactions to some of the stuff that's being said in here because some of it's so crazy. So we're going to pop back in and out throughout the episode. But this is just going to be an episode with the full audio in its entirety. So we're going to start that now. You guys can hear kind of how they introduce all of the lawyers and everybody's starting. And then we'll we'll pop back in in a few minutes. Enjoy. Thank you. Um, everyone is here on a case that is well known to this court, World Mission Society Church of God versus Cologne, BERL 5274-12. Counsel for, the, uh, for World Mission, your appearance, please. Yeah. Oh, Solomon Rubin, you belong to the Meyer. Thank you. Andrew Miltonberg, Nesson Oak Miltonberg. Ms. Miltonberg, Mr. Rubin. Paul Grosswald for the defendant. Thank you. Please sit down. Um, we were all present. Uh, on July 11, 2014. At that time, there were a number of motions before this court. Cologne's motion to dismiss for failure to make discovery, filed January 13, 2014. Cologne's motion to compel depositions of Richard Whalen, Arsicio Pereira, and Lincoln Grill, filed January 29, 2014. Cologne's motion for a protective order, Filed March 3rd, 2014. World Missions Cross Motion to Strike Pleadings for Failure to Make Discovery. Filed March 19, 2014. Cologne's Motion to Quash Abermount Subpoena. Filed April 25, 2014. World Missions Cross Motion for Legal Fees. Filed May 14, 2014. Cologne's Motion to Quash IFS Subpoena. Filed May 23, 2014. <coughs> uh, present today also is uh, World Missions Motion to Dismiss. Filed June 2nd, 2014. Uh, at the time of the January 11 oral argument, there was a hiatus because at that point in time, it was the position of World Mission that it had provided uh, to uh, Cologne the financial documentation that had been requested. Mr. Grosswald had brought with him at that time all some 5,000 pages that had been produced, and there was a break wherein it was requested Ms. Zabrowski, who unfortunately has broken her foot and is not here today, uh, did find one document having to do with financial information, and that was a monthly report dated January 31st, 2014, which was wholly inadequate to satisfy any sort of demand for financial information, which is relevant to this case, um, which this court has exhaustively discussed in the past. I was advised at that time that within one week 
the appropriate financial documentation would be provided to Mr. Grosswald. At that time, um, I directed World Mission to provide the court with a copy of that financial documentation. I have received that financial documentation uh, together with a letter attached to it from, I think it's Mr. From Ms. Zagorowski, a six-page letter. And then I have a response from Mr. Grosswald, that's dated <coughs> July 28, 2014. The letter from Ms. Zabrowski is dated July 18, 2014. Uh, I asked all counsel to be present to continue uh, the arguments of the prior motions as well as the pending motion to extend discovery. But I first must direct our attention to where we left off because the court is extraordinarily concerned with the fact that the documentation that World Mission Society Church of God has provided in response to all of the demands for documents and interrogatories reveals that, and I'm not even saying this documentation is appropriate or adequate with regard to what was required to be provided. But putting that aside for the moment, what was revealed and what was provided was that the revenue has increased substantially, not only during the period of time of the alleged defamation, but from 2009, the net income being 1,880,938, to the present being 3,636,439. And, and these are profit and loss statements. I don't know how they were prepared. January through December for each year, 2009 through 2012. Uh, 2010 indicates 2,135,239, and 2011 indicates 3,311,519, and as I said, December 12 indicates 3,636,439. So the financial damages which are required to be shown in this case, which from the outset this court indicated is clearly the burden on world mission. Hold up. Did y'all just hear that? Did y'all yeah. just hear that? Yeah. I, I hope everybody heard that. They had an increase in revenue. They're trying to claim damages. However, during that time, they had an increase in revenue. Almost $2 million. Anyway, continue. Which they claim there was donated revenue, which was diminished as a result of what Ms. Cullen did and the court directing multiple times that they had the burden of establishing that that donated revenue loss had to be proven as a direct result of what she did, not only isn't it in the documents that were provided in response to the discovery, but it reveals that there has been no damage whatsoever from a financial perspective. And how do you respond to that? Just because revenue increased didn't mean there's no damage. It could be the revenue would have increased even more, but for those statements. Um, we, plan on presenting a, we plan on having an expert witness that will be able to testify as to damage from the impact of statements. I mean, it's 
claim it cannot be the case that any time a company's revenue increases, there's no damage. Um, da damage. There could be other factors that could have over that could have caused an increase that are unrelated to the negative statements that are greater in amount than the amount that the that the that the, um, that the, that the statements decreased revenue. Um, so that's a separately. Um, we think that we accuse of a crime. There's defamation per se, and we actually. Um, as a matter of law, we don't necessarily have to prove that damages is defamation per se. That's a legal issue. But it's still the case that the increase in revenue doesn't disprove the existence of damages. Okay. Well, with regard to the defamation per se, I mean, we, we go back to whether or not we're dealing with a public figure or a private figure. Uh, we go back to whether or not actual malice has to be shown. We're going back to all those defamation issues that we had discussed early on at the initial motion to dismiss. Um, I had the time and I took the liberty of uh, reviewing this file from when it began. And I think it's important to state on the record that this court has had this case since its inception. And I went through the request for production of August 27, 2013 that I painfully went through with counsel in terms of what was supposed to be produced by your client, Mr. Rubin. And I also went through the court's decision. This court wrote on August 7, 2013, a 29-page decision having to do with Ms. Colon's motion to dismiss. And the larger question that I need to ask you, Mr. Rubin, as we're sitting here, is what would any of the discovery that you're requesting add to the fact that you have not, and I realize you're asking for an extension of discovery. Discovery was over May 29 of this year. How would any of that discovery remotely change the fact that your client has increased its revenue by $1.5 million over the time that you're claiming damages? Okay, guys, so discovery, here you're going to hear the judge talk about discovery. So this is the, I'm just going to read read the definition. Discovery is the formal process of exchanging information between the parties about the witnesses and evidence they'll present at trial. So this is a time where they exchange information together um, so that they can prepare for the trial. And so that's what's going on a lot in this in this audio and throughout this whole trial is that the church is like dragging their feet on presenting the evidence that they're going to use when they go to trial. And Michelle's lawyer is like, we need to know what evidence you, you're going to use against us so that we can like prepare to defend ourselves against you. And, and at the time of this hearing, they had passed the discovery time and the Wimscog didn't produce all the evidence is what you, what you guys are going to be hearing. So here we go. Your, Your Honor, it, from a financial perspective, and, and we've maintained from the beginning that that is a significant challenge for a defamation plaintiff. The reality is that, that question really has to be put to a jury at the very least because reputational damage, not pecuniary damage, is at issue. Now, this isn't an individual, it's an entity. At, at the same token, by the same token, Your Honor, a trade libel, okay, or a defamation of an institution, especially an insti a religious institution or an educational institution, may not be able to be measured by monetary damages. Now, 
Trade we believe, excuse me, Mr. Morris-Wolf. I, I, trade libel is dismissed. I, I understand, but it's still within the rubric of that, that same thought process while that cause of action has been dismissed that the courts routinely uphold. Yeah, but this has to be directly proven as a su result of something Ms. Cologne did. And Not, uh, look, uh, one thing is for sure. As I am sitting here now on, what's today, August 29th, 2014, my knowledge and understanding of World Mission Society Church of God is certainly quite different than it was in 2012 when this case was first filed. Okay. I understand the size of the organization. I understand what it does. I understand its outreach programs into the community. I understand its philosophies as are um, known to the general public. And I am aware of the individuals, no, the number of individuals who have spoken out against the teachings of the church and have indicated that in their opinion the activities of the church and the methodology of the church and the teachings of the church are not a positive factor. Whether that's true or not is a separate issue. What I am aware of as we're sitting now, here now, after exhaustive argument and motion practice, that the claim of this case is that Ms. Cologne is responsible for economic damage to this multi-million dollar organization that is countrywide based in South Korea. And after seeing what has been produced in response to the request for production and the interrogatories, which the court was expecting to be exhaustive, is nothing. It is a profit and loss statement prepared by I don't know who, based on I don't know what, showing that the organization has made money. What have we been doing for two years? Boom, baby. Boom, baby. Boom, baby. Boom, baby. Certainly, as Mr. Rubin suggested, the simply an increase in gross revenue does not tell the entire story of any business, any individual, any corporation. And if that were the only measure by which defamation was was understood, then there would be no defamation cases necessarily, because there is. Yes, sure. Well, uh, what my, my point is is that because of my involvement with the case and what has been provided to the court by way of certification and printouts by Ms. Cologne, the amount of negative treatment as to the church is significant, not by Ms. Cologne. There is nothing in anything that you have produced to distinguish anything that she did as opposed to the myriad of others who have spoken out against the church. I mean, I'm dealing with a civil case. I'm not dealing with your clients feel badly that this happened or they have been wrong. I understand that. There are lots of religious or, or political organizations or organizations in general that have 
um, negative commentary, which is very painful and maybe hurtful to some of its members. But they don't bring lawsuits. <laughs> um, th this is called America, and that is what happens in our democracy and freedom of speech. This case from the beginning was brought because of specific actions that Ms. Cologne did that the church was going to show brought it damage. I have, in terms of exhibits and certifications, everything that's been provided to date in terms of discovery. And I do believe the court's been overly patient with allowing time and extensions and the ability for World Mission to do what it needed to do to prove its case. Because that's your right. But now, to be given this, I mean, I stopped the last application because I wanted to see what these documents were. This is what I, and I believe the defendant, has been waiting for. And then when I actually received this and I looked at it, I, I was shocked because it shows absolutely no damage, and certainly no damage as it relates to Ms. Cologne. Uh, and with all due respect, we disagree. I believe that an expert can extrapolate from those numbers the trajectory that the gross revenues were on and where they're at now, and that differential would, in fact, be prospective from the time that the statements were made and show damages in the form of a decreased revenue. Just an increase in revenue alone is, is a snapshot that certainly doesn't tell the whole story. And quite frankly, uh, I don't think anyone, and I, again, I don't know Mr. Dorfman or your accounting or economic background, is expert enough to be able to do that. And that's why, at this point, we think that depositions, or at least an evidentiary hearing with an expert, is necessary. Because I don't think any of us are able to extrapolate what those numbers should be. If it, if it could have been five times what it is now, and maybe it's not because... I mean, in response to what you're saying in the world of hypotheticals, maybe 50 members of the church left the church because they moved. Maybe 50 members of the church stopped giving money because they lost their jobs. Maybe 50 members of the church on their own, without having looked at anything that Ms. Cologne read, decided to leave the church. You're talking in a world of hypotheticals. Your That's not in a world One of person leaving the church is too much, especially when it's due to the creation of, of, of an entire... You have to prove that. I have nothing. I don't even have a name. I don't even have a name. Boom, baby. Okay. So we're, we're here today because I was continuing our discussion of these seven motions from July 11th. Because I'm one of the largest, one of the largest issues had to do with the financial damages. That was clearly set forth in the March 12, 2014 letter to you from Mr. Grosswald um, in Section 6. And the applications that you have made having to do with actually it's a motion for legal fees pending and your motion to strike pleadings for failure to make discovery 
We haven't received a single piece of paper response. Because they don't know what the challenge statements are. But but Rule 4, 10-4 says it's no order to discovery just because I don't see why. I mean, we plead what the challenge statements are on the pleadings. In fact, we didn't get back this. We didn't produce necessarily all the things in response to the subpoena because they did a motion to quash the subpoena. I saw the things that you were asking for. The argument is how can they be relevant if they don't know what it is they have to defend? The complaint makes clear what they have to defend. We didn't get back all the statements from responses to the Internet's providers, but they actually made a motion to quash. But they have to be about Ridgewood. But they have to be about Ridgewood. That's why this litigation continued. It was about Ridgewood. And nothing shows it's about Ridgewood. Absolutely. If you look at the statements, when there was a five-part article, it says that she was from the New Jersey branch. It clearly indicated that it was Ridgewood in particular. So, I mean, those trial statements... And then, I already had that, though. But the complaint at least paraphrases at least what the trial statements are. The extent we don't have them is probably because they filed a motion to quash the subpoenas and we had the court kind of modified it. We have to send out new ones in April, I believe it was. But, again, right now we're in the middle of discovery. We're not going to have a summary judgment motion. Middle of discovery for what? Your Honor, if I may for one second. The law evolved to allow for some mechanism by which an organization or an individual can seek redress for statements that can be disproved, and that's one of the baseline tests for defamation. The statements that we attribute and we believe were made by Ms. Colon about Ridgewood are statements that can be disproved, that are factually untrue. Every statement put out into the world, into the stream of commerce, does not result in hiding behind the First Amendment or wrapping yourself in the First Amendment. And what we've alleged all along is there is a provocation, in this case by Ms. Colon and Ms. Grosswold, for the purposes of... No, not Mr. Grosswold, Ms. Colon. Well, Mr. Grosswold, who recently gave up... That's not in your complaint. I understand, but the case... I'm dealing with what's in front of me. Well, but the case has evolved since then, quite frankly, Your Honor, and our understanding of what's been happening on the other side of the equation has evolved since the case has begun. You can't... And the courts across the country have understood this, and that's why the law of defamation has evolved, that you cannot create an issue, provoke a response that is something that can be disproven factually, and then get away with it, and be hiding behind the First Amendment, and then use that to vault your own personal interests. This is not an intellectual debate. It never has been for the defendant, and that's why there are three other cases. You can't be an expert on something unless there's a problem, and the problem can't be resolved unless there are cases. And what this court has seen since the first time we've been in this courtroom is Mr. Grosswold do exactly that with Ms. Colon. Create a need, come to the rescue, and then go to talk about it. We have a protective order. No one's talking about anything. Well, that's not exactly... So that issue is contained. That was one of your concerns. Court listened. Court granted your application. Nothing that goes on here is on the Internet. That doesn't stop Mr. Grosswold from having 
started other cases and speaking I about... I have no control over that. And speak, I understand. But what Your Honor does have control of is understanding the context by which we're here today. And that context, the scope of that, has, has become much grander, unfortunately. So there must be some redress for these types of things and the, the courts have... Talking, the case you're talking about isn't the case that's before this court. You, you're talking about some very... Um, emotional concepts which are not part of this case. I, I know, with all due respect, I don't believe they're emotional. I believe that they're very real and while they, they may have a visceral initial response, they are real concepts that the Supreme Court of the United States and the courts of every jurisdiction have recognized. There is a mechanism and the courts contain it for redress for these types of things. But and you still have certain elements of proof. Your case has to be against Ms. Cologne. The, the, it could be one dollar of damages. It absolutely could be. And that doesn't mean that there haven't been damages. The loss does not have okay, to... But in terms of, of getting, even getting there, I've read everything. And I refreshed my memory and everything. That part of what was going on here, because at the time I was deciding the motion to dismiss the issue of public figure, private figure, I mean, for you to suggest now with what has gone on and what the court is aware of, that World Mission Society, Church of God, is a private figure. Are you still going to be arguing that? No, you're on. Okay, first of all, I just have to say I love this judge. Second of all, I have to say, we wanted to pop in and explain private versus public figure in a defamation case and what that means. So um, it if you're a private figure or a public figure, you would be, um, you know, the case would be treated differently. So a public figure are any official or people involved in public affairs. If you put yourself out into the public and you insert yourself into any type of controversy or anything like that, then you are considered a public figure. And um, so that would be like a po politician, celebrities, things like that. They, they willingly put themselves out in the public. Um, a private person, if you are considered a private figure, then, the, then for a defamation case, um, it has to be proven that the publisher acted negligently and did not did not really check their facts and sort of like, mm, I don't know if the right correct word is slander, but like if somebody slandered you, um, but, but they didn't really know that it was a lie, right? Something like that. So anyway, like the, um, the threshold of defamation or slander allowed is different, whether you're a public figure or a private figure. Does that make sense? So the public has the public has to prove that, you know, whoever defamed them acted with actual malice and purposely lied. And it's harder to prove. It's harder to win a case if the figure is a public figure. So the judge is saying it looks like you're a public figure and they're, you know, the Wimscog lawyer is trying to say, no, we think we're a private figure. Right. And what's interesting is that they're almost going back and forth. Like we haven't decided yet if we're a public or private figure. Like that's right. the dialogue that you hear through that. Well, she's like, are you going to, are you going to, are you going to, you know, are you still going to try to say that you're a private figure? Right. 
That's interesting. Tony, this would be like if somebody wrote a mean review about me and you as our podcast. And instead of being like, that was a mean review, we were like, let's sue them. Right. Because we are a public figure. So if people don't right. like it or they want to talk smack about us, they can. Feel free. Right. Because we put ourselves out there. We put ourselves out for the controversy. But let me also say one of the interesting things that a public uh, a public figure um, is known to have access to media to um, explain their side publicly. So like, you know, access to maybe a radio station, a TV station, a newspaper, something like that. Okay, I can 100% say the church... The Wimscog has access to all of those things and uses it for their, you know, propaganda to communicate all over the world. So absolutely, in my opinion, they are a public figure. Right. And the, so they're able to do like damage control on the inside, which is why most of the members that were in, unless they were at the top and they knew what was going on, you guys as like little members, you didn't know that all of this was happening. Right. This wasn't like public knowledge, like knowledge for you guys at the time. So that's kind of confusing to me what you just said. I'll just be honest. I feel like you're not picking up what I'm throwing down. No, um, well, I think I am. Like what I'm saying is they're a public figure because they were capable of creating this media bubble around you guys on the inside. Right. And even to the outside, because they do like their, um, you know, you hear about it a lot. Their good deeds. Yeah. You know, so that's also like they're trying. To, oh, I get what you're saying. Like a propaganda thing. They're trying to like put out a certain reputation and they have access to all of that. And she also makes the point of um, why are they so worried this is going to be on the Internet? Huh. I just I just want to say that when we heard this at first, we were like, "Uh oh, maybe we're not supposed to do this. But you know what? It's public record. And for the survivors that have been in this church. This is very important for them to hear because this was all clouded away from them while they were in. And it's necessary. It's public information. Uh, it's And they were using our money to sue her. So we have a right to know what they were doing with our money. Paying those stupid ass lawyers. Oh, I'm so sorry. Not mean to offend you, but geez, they are so ridiculous. Like, like. You can just hear, you know, they're just like mumbling. There's like, uh, like, I'm wondering, do they even believe what they're saying? Do you think they believe what they're saying or is this just their job? That's like the big, that's the big confusing part for me when I listen to this is <sighs> they're, they're lawyers. And so they're like educated. They, I just, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. An organization. It's not necessarily public because we're not talking about. Is the Catholic church, a public figure. The, the Catholic. Of course they are. Well, Christianity and the, and Catholicism and Judaism are currently yeah. a, a much larger issue. For still, purposes we're still of legal definition. I'm, I'm I'm going to the extreme. I'm saying the Catholic Church. I, I yeah. I'm talking about a legal definition. So, we're, if we're talking about the papacy, yes, it is. A, it, it, it's a public it, figure. It is a public figure, but it's also a legally recognized state within a state. We're not we're not talking about here. We're talking about an idea. Okay, and we're talking about the specific location within which this idea, the, uh, this religious, and I, I, I even am loathe to call it an idea, this this belief is practiced. 
And so I, I don't know that it lends itself to being a public figure in the same way the papal state does. And, and there's a difference between Catholicism and the, and the papal state. And so can the Pope, can the papacy be a plaintiff in a case? Perhaps. Can Christianity, Catholicism, Judaism be a, a, a class? I, I don't know that it can. I don't believe that it can. And in any event, I understand your honors taking that argument to an extreme. And I, I don't know that I those... I that was an extreme, but... I don't know that that's, those lend themselves well. But just well. seeing what the world mission does in terms of its involvement... I understand, but now consider what you're saying. That would have a, and, and so consider what you're saying. Should there be no redress for this type of this? What we believe is is on matters that can be factually disproven. It would have a chilling effect on any organization's desire to be part of a community, and that's why the law has developed in this way. If the answer is that because they're doing outreach because they're doing wonderful things within the state of New Jersey that have been recognized up and down the political line. Correct. If because of that they lose the right to be a plaintiff. No, they didn't say that. I well, said they're a public figure. Well, but you haven't. Um, let me finish. They, they lose, lose the right. The right well, they do in this type of case. If you're saying that everything, let's let's work backwards from your honor's analysis. If if, there, if it all must be pecuniary loss, and it can't, it can't be anything else because well, they... Well, that's what your complaint is. Your Honor... That's what your complaint is. I understand, is. and the case has evolved since then. No, it hasn't. Uh, our, our belief is that it has. It would, well, let, let me you can finish, argue that, but that's not what Okay, well, let me, let me finish my thought that it will have, not just on this organization, but on everyone, an incredibly chilling effect for public participation. I don't want to call them good deeds. I don't understand how you're making that connection. What does this have to do with a chilling effect on well, because you, Your Honor just said that, that how can they not be a public figure where they're doing community outreach? So the answer that I should tell organizations in the future is don't do good work because it may mean you're a public figure, which may mean that someone will be able to damage you in a way that for which you have no redress. That's your understanding of what I said. That's not what I said at all. I'm looking at issue of what, what has to be proven by you and the standard being malice if it, the entity is a public figure. That's the law. That's why I'm focusing on that. Your connection of the dots to get to the point which you just said, that's, that's an argument you're making. That's not what I'm directing my... my um, Concern over. If I could just respond on that, even if we have to prove malice, we believe we could prove it. We just need discovery from the defendants to do so. They did not produce a single piece of paper. We think that when the, we're entitled to not just the particular um, statements, but things that relate to that that would show the intent of the defendant. And right now, we're not here on a motion for summary judgment. We're here on a discovery motion. Your case, I went through your complaint. I went through the interrogatories. I went through the document requests. And I didn't dismiss this case because at the standard for a motion to dismiss was such that arguments were made for the case to go forward for you to be able to conduct discovery and provide discovery regarding your proofs. You started the case. I was sitting here. Your claims were that you have lost donated revenue as a result of what Ms. Cologne did. 
And there is nothing even remotely suggesting that. Your Honor, we can't prove malice without depositions. It just it can't be done. And, and no plaintiff in our situation can be expected to do it. And that's why these cases aren't... Yeah, where are the challenge statements that go directly to Ridgewood? We the defendants are entitled to that. Because we had this discussion back when we had our original arguments. And you maintain that this case was about Ridgewood. It's not about World Mission Society, Church of God, in the larger scope, but about the ch chapter or the parish in Ridgewood. And I see nothing in terms of challenge statements regarding Ridgewood. Well, two things. They wouldn't have to explicitly say the words Ridgewood if a reader of the statements were to know that it was Ridgewood. And that's A. And so in the broader context, we would argue that they realize that, what, that readers would have known the challenge statements related to Ridgewood. But, sep but separately, we subpoenaed internet providers. They filed a motion to quash. Um, in April, I believe, Your Honor issued an order saying that we should narrow down the subpoena and reissue the subpoena. We didn't get the responses yet. But we're still in the middle of discovery. It takes time to get through all the responses. And given the state of this case, I mean, that, that motion to quash took months to be. I, I'm, I'm saying what I'm saying today because I realize we have seven, eight applications having to do with depositions and subpoenas. And one had to do with discovery and getting the financial documents to show the financial damage to the entity. And when the court saw that there's no financial damage by whatever methodology you put together to show, I'm trying to figure out what we're doing. I mean, again, I don't think that the fact that they increased revenue doesn't prove that there was no damage. I mean, they, uh, yeah, but you got to prove something. What are you proving? I have nothing. Because we, because we didn't get to have we, we intend to produce an expert. Or they could depose the expert. We'll show we'll an expert report and the methodology that was used. But right now, again, we're not here on summary summary judgment. This is, as far as we're concerned, we're still in middle discovery based on the procedural history of this case. Okay, let me hear from Mr. Griswold. We're continuing our argument <coughs> on the seven motions from July 11. All right. So look, if if the if they're a public figure. Um, they're saying they need to depose her to prove malice, but the bottom line is if they're a public figure, they're not entitled to the presumed damages that they had mentioned uh, back on July 11th, right? The presumed damages are these damages where they say, you know, just if we can prove it's false, we get damages no matter what because it's presumed. Again, if you're a public figure, they're not entitled to that, which means they do have to, to prove the financials and all these other damages that they're trying to... They're trying to get around the, the lack of financial damages by relying on presumed damages, which they can't get if they're a public figure. And so that, that's the bottom line. And, and we asked for a significant discovery about the public figure status. You know, we, we believe that they have a media operation in the church where they actually produce videos to respond to critics. And, and I've seen videos on YouTube where a critic puts up a video saying it's a cult, and then World Mission puts up a video explaining why they're not a cult. So they're actually engaged in a debate about the specific same issues that Ms. Cologne raised. So we asked for those videos. We asked them to produce it, and, and they're not producing it. So I, I think we're at this point, Your Honor has the right idea that you should just declare that they're a public figure. They can't get presumed damages, which means they have to prove the damages substantively. And if they don't have it, th th then they, they shouldn't be able to proceed with the case. And as far as an expert is concerned, an expert would need underlying documents to rely on, I, right? I, and, and they don't have any. So there's nothing well, for an expert I, I, to do. I should say that on the record. I understood the argument about an expert report. Okay. The balance sheets that were produced from 2009 to 2012 have none of the backup documentation for the request for production that the court went through on 827 
that Ms. Colon is entitled to. I mean, you can't just give numbers and say, oh, and they would have been higher without giving the backup production. Oh, and I understand I didn't say that they could subpoena all of your bank records, but that doesn't mean that they're not entitled for financial information to show various items, which with this document request, which has some 181 items, encompasses. So the information that was provided showing the revenue they received has nothing which is required to show, in fact, that's the money that they received. And it's sufficient on so many levels, I don't know where to begin. There's no month-by-month breakdown to connect it to the timing when the statements were posted. There's no information from any particular donor showing that a particular donor who had read the statement. I mean, I think with the time, effort, and energy that was put in this case, that there would be some sort of, you know, expert report or accounting or something to concretely show that which was being alleged. And this is, it's just a document put together by I don't know who, based upon we don't know what, and it's showing that money increased. We know who put those documents together. It was an 18, 19-year-old college dropout sitting in pastor's office at 2 a.m. drinking Monster, frantically trying to get these Excel documents together, being rebuked, in my opinion. So this is rather astonishing to the court, and that's why I called in today to go through this. I mean, I don't see the purpose in going through whether or not the World Missions legal fees or Cologne's motion to quash the IFF subpoena or any of this else needs to be decided and is not going to be decided because without this, there is no basis for going forward. And I say we move to the summary judgment stage. I mean, if this is your, this is the response. I gave, I gave World Mission another week to come up with the documents that they say they produced in the $5,000, in the 5,000-page production to show, okay, where is this financial information? Where is the financial proofs? And then when I received this, it was... Your Honor, in our letter to you of August 1, we point out two cases that the States v. Davis case and the Ricciardi case, or the Ricciardi case, both of which most respectfully stand for the proposition that a business can suffer nominal reputation, damages, and non-pecuniary... That's not what your complaint is about. That has never been what your complaint is about. It also wasn't disclosed in response to the interrogatory, where we asked for every category of damages to be disclosed, and that wasn't disclosed in response to that either. I remember clearly what this case began as and what it was about and what the discovery was about. So to now say that if they only lost $1 because of... Your Honor, but that's the law, number one, and what you're suggesting... Where's the dollar? Where's the dollar? Show me the dollar. I have none of that. The balance sheet is not adequate. Okay, I don't know who put that together, but this is the real world I'm living in, okay? And this is Superior Court of New Jersey, and if there's going to be financial documentation provided, I know what financial documentation is, and someone putting together a balance sheet based on nothing that I can see isn't a balance sheet at all. Okay, Your Honor, we've retained an expert, and... Oh, really? And what's the expert going to make his opinion on? Anything the expert makes his opinion on, or she makes her opinion on, those documents have to be produced in discovery. Where are they? And, Your Honor, that goes to what I said before, that an expert can draw different conclusions that I, 
Mr. Rubin, Mr. Grosswold, and perhaps everyone else sitting here right now cannot draw. I'm not an economist, no. and I'm not an economic forecaster. I've been forecaster. involved in litigation for over 30 years. The, uh, the expert can only draw its opinion based upon the documentation that's been provided in discovery. There is none. Your Honor, I would, uh, most respectfully, I disagree. An ex a wood expert could tell you something about that panel that I can't. Okay. okay? And just because we see what appears to be but a veneer wood But before the expert gives the opinion, all the discovery about that piece of wood right will have here. to have been provided. He can walk I could find someone in the, in the courtyard working outside who could walk in and say, yeah, I see what kind of wood this is, and we can't. And that dis the documentation is there in front of you. And just because we can't see what that means, doesn't mean an expert can't. No, we. I think everyone in this room is sophisticated enough to know just what financial you're documents right. I, are. With, again, with all due respect, it, it, it is a, a very incomplete... Where is the basis for this expert to say that there's been a loss in donative revenue? Because they... Where, where in all the discovery that you've given? An expert should be able to, will be able to forecast based on an, a trajectory over a period of time where the gross revenues should have been by forecasting. That's what we listen to every day on the stock market. The same people looking at the same information coming to multiple conclusions. And how is this expert, because this, this is really stretching the imagination now, how is this expert going to differentiate any opinion that expert may give that donated revenue is down because of something Ms. Cologne did as opposed to what two or three hundred or four hundred other critics of the church have done. Fair enough. And that's why there are Daubert hearings in New York, and that's why, or Daubert, and that's why there is a battle of experts at times. And that's why if you pick up the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, you could see dozens of opinions on where, and I'm only using this as an example, where the stock market's going, where the economy is going. And once again, I believe confidently that an economic forecaster or a business, a forensic business expert can look at those same numbers mm -hmm. and... Based on what? What are those numbers based on? Whatever those numbers are, I don't understand why you don't understand what I'm saying. I, I, Your Honor, I completely I have no backup documentation for one of those numbers, okay? I don't have to be an accountant to know that when you have expert testimony in a case such as this with financial damages, the documentation upon which an expert relies has to be produced in discovery. We, we believe it has. Okay. I respectfully disagree. Okay. Your application to extend discovery is denied for all the reasons set forth on the record because uh, it serves no purpose. And we are going to go forward with the application for summary judgment. I don't know when it's returnable. Okay. It's, well, Your Honor, it's, it's returnable September 5th, but I believe you, uh, you've given them an extension to September 19th. But, but I just want to raise some of my concern now. Um, and I also want to deal with the motion to dismiss the case of Cologne versus World Mission on the same day. Okay. Well, well, Okay, but I just want to raise my, my concern. Um, I appreciate you denying their motion and sending us to summary judgment, which is what we asked for. But we also wanted to make it clear that we do, in fact, have an adverse inference that they're a public figure. Because if we don't have that, they can still raise presumed damages on the summary judgment motion, in which case we're going to need discovery. They, so, they, well, they haven't given you that discovery. Right. I mean, so my understanding <coughs> of, of the law on what a private versus public figure is, and my understanding of what World Mission Society Church of God is, and 
I, I, I just don't understand how they're going to argue it's a private figure. But if they want to argue it, I'm not going to preclude that. But if they were to prevail on that argument, we would be in a position where now we're in trouble because we didn't get discovery on the truth. You see what I'm saying? Like if you, if you, if you were to be convinced on summary judgment that they are a private figure, and then they're allowed to raise presumed damages, they can survive summary judgment and go to trial, and now we have a defense of truth, and we didn't complete discovery on that because we, we assumed we didn't need to, but now we're going to need to if we don't have that. I feel confident so. stating that the scope of World Mission Society's Church of God um, in its involvement on, on multiple levels and its presence and the size of its presence and... its outreach programs, as well as uh, the list of communications and activities it extends itself into would, would, would render it a public figure. I, I don't understand how now that I have had this case for over two years, how it would be argued that it was a, a private figure. Um, so, so, so can you make a, a ruling on that now, or are you still going to... Your Honor, with all due respect, we want an opportunity to brief that. I, I, okay, I, I right, want well, an opportunity well, to disprove your, your present thought process. Allow me to have that time to persuade you that with respect to religious institutions that are located or situated like the church, like the plaintiff in this case, that there's a, a greater analysis that we all need to tackle. Can I make a proposal? Okay, so, so it's part of their motion. Just make a proposal. Okay, so, so the plaintiff will be the plaintiff will be allowed to raise the private figure issue on summary judgment, but if the court were to decide that they are a private figure, uh, that should be deemed an exceptional circumstance that would justify reopening discovery. That seem reasonable. How are you arguing they're a private figure? We all know we all know what private versus public <coughs> means, and we know the facts of this case. I, I, I'm not prepared to do that today, Your Honor. That issue isn't currently before the court. I understand why Mr. Grosswald's raising it, and uh, there was uh, give me an opportunity to persuade you otherwise. I think I'll be able to. As, as long as we know, we're not going to be forced into a trial without having the opportunity to prove truth as a defense, then I'll, I'm, I'm not worried. I just want to make sure that the court understands that we have that right I to, understand. to do that. Okay. All right. Uh, so then with regard to the schedule, uh, September 19th is the day that the motion for summary judgment is returnable? That's what it's on for now. All right, guys. You heard it for yourself. The craziness. The back and forth. We hope you guys enjoy listening to that as much as we do because Tony and I geek out. We totally. geek out when we get to listen to this audio. So that's why we wanted to share the whole thing with you. So motion denied, right? Anyway, motion denied. They were totally denied. And so then the next hearing is going to be uh, the motion for summary judgment. And so then that's the final, you know, their final chance to tell the judge. And then after that, the judge makes her decision. So our next episode, we're going to play you, you know, that final motion. Yeah, we're, um, so there's a few more minutes left to this audio. Um, we're going to cut it off because it's all like housekeeping stuff. Like they're rescheduling the scheduling. dates, motions and stuff. But if you guys, again, want to hear it in full from start to finish, go ahead. You can go to the New Jersey website and request the audio yourself. Um, if you have any questions or anything, just send us an email if you want any more of that information of how to do that. 
Um, but yeah, hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we do. Or we're just total losers and we need like a better hobby because we think this is so fascinating. I just love the judge and I love Michelle's lawyer. They are rock stars. All right, girl. I'll see you next time. Okay. See you next time. Boom, baby. Boom, baby. Beep, beep, This is the Tony show. It's not the Lindsay show. I actually hated Tom Green show, so let me come up with a different song. Oh, oh you little sucker fish.